Hello, my beautiful friends. My name is Bryn Wise, and you are listening to the Grace Mama Grace podcast. I am a mom who struggles with mom guilt, and I am working tirelessly to overcome it. It is my mission to help you remember that you are enough, exactly the way you are. You are the mother your children need, and you are perfect as a mother just because you love your kids. Let's do this. Hello, my gorgeous friends. So excited to be back here with you today. And today, our amazing guest is a mom to six kids born within four years. You guys, she has quadruplets. You heard me right. Holy cazole. She had one kid, two kids, and then bada bing, bada boom, four kids. And you, like me, might be amazed at the idea of birthing and raising four babies all at once and adding two more kiddos to the pile. And so many people ask her, how do you do it? (laughs) So she wrote a book. It's called The Frame Formula your parenting source to communicate like it's your superpower. And this book accompanies the Supermom Academy where the seven superpowers of supermoms are taught. Communication is one of the core superpowers. And that is one of the reasons I brought her on today to talk to us about how we can better communicate with our kiddos. She's a speaker, an author, a trainer, a coach, a proud mama, and she loves sharing her message all over the world through podcasts, radios, and stages. And I'm so freaking excited for all of us to get to hear from my girl, Lydia Taggart. So welcome, welcome, my beautiful friend. Yay! I just want to be like, yay! I feel so good every time somebody says that. It's like, woo, somebody awesome. Oh yeah, it's me. Yeah, oh yeah, that's me. I'm awesome. (laughs) No, I love it. Okay. Tell us, tell us all the things. Just you're amazing. (laughs) Well, I didn't always think I was amazing. And that's kind of where it all began. I was so overwhelmed with all these kids and I actually was uh, kind of depressed, a lot of depressed actually. And, um, people would say, Oh, you're super mom because they see the outside image. Like you I'm walking down the street, pushing a stroller with four kids in it and a kid hanging off the front and a kid hanging off the back. And I'm going to the park by myself. I'm like, oh, you're super mom. I'm just mom. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And and I think a lot of moms, I think your podcast speaks to this. We forget how amazing we are, whether we have one kid or a bunch of kids, there's a lot more super in us than we think. Mm -hmm. And so um, when we had the quads come home from the hospital. My oldest boy, he shut down, completely stopped talking. We found out later that he had autism. And I was at first a little bit devastated, but more excited. Like, yeah, there's nothing wrong. It's not my fault. (laughs) There's a real problem. (laughs) But um, took him to several places, trying to get him to have, get the help that he needs. And meanwhile, my second boy, was completely on the opposite end, making sure I knew everything that I was doing wrong and he needed attention. Give me attention right now. He's extremely verbal. And so when we were at um, the doctors getting my oldest son diagnosed, I said, now find out what's wrong with him because we got to know what's going on with everybody. Mm -hmm. And 
they said, oh, he's got ODD, ADD, all these alphabet letters. And they said, but we won't diagnose him with any of that because he's, he's just really smart. <laughs> and when he says you're stupid, yeah, you are. Oh, okay, great. So that didn't help my super no. mom thing very much, right? <laughs> no way. But the last place I took my oldest son to, I was trying to find out what's going on with him. And the psychologist, psychiatrist, I can't remember which what, but the doctor says, now, wait a minute. Did you say, and I'm talking like this really fast, trying to get everything out right. And he says, did you say that you have quadruplets? And I was like, yes, we covered that. And <laughs> keep up here. <laughs> Come on now. <laughs> and he says, well, there's your problem. Like, well, if that's the problem, we're, what do we do? Right? Yeah, because I can't do anything to change that. We're not giving them back. <laughs> and he then he said, you're the mom you know better than anybody else what your kid needs because you're the mom and that hit me so hard i'm like i'm the mom and before that moment i had been so depressed like these aren't even my kids i need so much help they're the whole neighborhoods i'm not even the mom why are they calling me super mom Blech. ugly stuff and when he said but you're the mom it hit me. I was like, I am the mom. I'm the one here at the doctor's office. I'm the one responsible, whether or not somebody's helping me change a diaper or whatever. I'm the one that they came to as the mom. And so I was like, well, I need a miracle. I believe in miracles because obviously I have quadruplets and miracles happen. Mm -hmm. No question. Miracles happen. So I went to prayer and I was like, okay, God, you gave me all these kids. You want me to do something like be a mom here. So you better tell me what to do. And I got a miracle. My son started talking after we figured this out and I was, this is a miracle. So a uh, thing about miracles is anybody can explain a miracle away as a coincidence or science or whatever, but I believe miracles are from God and he follows the rules too. And really they're miracles because we don't understand how the, the laws of the universe work. And once we figure out how something works, then it makes sense scientifically or logically. And then people stop calling it a miracle, but it's still a miracle just because we understand it doesn't mean that there's not a hand of God in it. Mm -hmm. And so that's what the frame formula is. It's how God's miracle works for us to communicate. I love so, that. so exciting. I love that. And how long did you say your son went without talking? Probably six months to a year, six months to a year after they came home. Yeah. Wow. That's a long time. Like I a long can't, time. I can't even imagine. Well, and I mean, it's probably so hard to like <laughs> welcome home four beautiful little new people. And that first year is so hard with one. I can't imagine how it is with four. And then to add on this hardship with your oldest 
the one who made you a mom first, not talking to you. Right. And I can't even imagine the, like, just putting myself in your shoes. Like I can't even imagine the heartbreak that I would feel having my oldest son go through that and, and just feeling so powerless to, to do anything to help him. So I'm sure hearing that, like, no, I'm the mom. And like, just stepping into that light of, I am the mom. I love that. I love that. So. Yes. And he wouldn't say anything. He would um, meow. I said, okay, I'm going to take him to the grocery store because our our pediatrician said, well, you just need to spend more time with him. Good luck with that. Right. (laughs) And so I took him alone, just him and I to the store. And I said, well, he will tell me what kind of cereal he wants. Right. Mm -hmm. And he pointed at a box and meowed. I said, okay, cereal's not good enough. Better go for ice cream. Which ice cream do you want? And he pointed and meowed again. And that's when I knew we had a big problem. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So and I can't now, even- now he is 19 years old. He tells me how it is whenever he feels like it. He's totally open to like, he understands his emotions and that he's able to express them in a way. Like yesterday I was saying, what are you doing? Where are you going? And he says, I just need to go to my room. I've had enough people for the day. Okay. That's enough peopling. Go, Mm -hmm. go have your own time. I love that. (laughs) (laughs) Words of wisdom right there. I've had enough people for the day. (laughs) And then there's other times I talk about this in my book too, that he, we have what we call PPI meetings where we meet with each of our kids individually. It's a personal parent interview. And we try to do them weekly, but you know, sometimes we don't get it all that consistently. But so sometimes he'll come to me and say, mom, I need a PPI. And okay, what's going on? What's stressing you out? And he will say, oh, you know, I just, I don't know, I don't know. Ask me questions. And I'll say, is it about school? No, is it about work? No. Is it about this, that? No. And we go down this list until he just finally was like, okay, it's about my brother, blah, 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 or whatever it is. And, you know, sometimes we just need a little extra prodding to get those thoughts out, but he does speak now. And he tells me when he needs me to listen. And that's, that's my miracle. Yeah. And I love that. And how how much wisdom can we glean from that too? Of like, you know what? I don't even know what's wrong. I just know I need to turn to someone that I love and trust and speak it out. And I need you to ask me questions so that I can really truly identify it for myself. Cause 99.999% of the time it was the straw that broke the camel's back. Right. And even in ourselves, we don't know Okay. I know I'm boiling over. I know that I'm bubbling over. I know that I'm about to pop. I'm about to burst. I'm about to whatever imagery you want to use. Right. But I don't even know what the real root of the problem is. And until I dig in and talk to someone I love and that person asks me questions. Okay. Now I'm really able to get to that root in myself in other people. And so that is beautiful like so much wisdom, even for us in that. And so the root of the problem is where the frame formula was born. It's based on the hierarchy of needs from Maslow, Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And I realized 
I wanted Stephen to talk. And that is up in accomplishing. Reaching out and speaking to someone is an accomplishment that you get when you feel like you belong, but he didn't feel like he belonged. He was totally lost. So how can I help him feel like he belongs? What's missing under that level of structure and support for the belonging piece? And even below that level, he was completely unsafe. He felt like he was not safe at all because he was going from place to place. We had so many people helping. He never knew where he was gonna be or if he was gonna eat that day or what it was gonna be. And I knew that he was always gonna be fed and taken care of. I knew that he was totally safe and good. And I trusted the people that we were having help us and everything. But in his little three, four year old mind, he didn't. He's like, I'm not with mom. I don't know where I'm going. I don't know who you are, what's going on? And he would get weird food. And before that, we didn't know he was autistic. So food is a thing for him. He will not eat broccoli. Don't bribe him. It's ugly. <laughs> but the, the solution was stepping down. All I had to do is the most simple thing. All I had to do was say, okay, today you're going to have peanut butter and jelly at grandma's. Put the post-it on the fridge. Okay, there's a plan know where I'm going, know who I'm with. Tomorrow, you're going to Aunt Lacey's or whoever's, you, she's gonna feed you spaghetti. Okay, good to know. Mm -hmm. And he, that solved it. That's all he needed to feel safe enough to start opening up. And there's, there's more pieces in the frame formula that's in the book, but that's basically where it all started. Just chunking down to find out what that one thing is to support the next level. Mm -hmm. And just in case listeners out there are unfamiliar with Maslow's hierarchy of needs, I'd, I'm a visual person. So one, I just yes. encourage you to Google it. Um, <laughs> and like literally though, but basically what it is, is it's a triangle and the base of the triangle is you've probably gathered from the context clues, right? But the base need that we all have as humans is we need to know that we, we have shelter. We need to know that we are, we have clothes, we have food, we have a place to sleep. That's like the basic human needs. Right. And then after that, okay, great. I I've got food, I've got shelter, I've got clothes. Okay. Now, now what can I focus on now that I know those needs are met? And that's why it's so huge for so many of us when we're moving or whatever, that it just like rocks our whole world. Cause you're like, I literally don't know where I'm sleeping tonight, or I might be sleeping on an air mattress. I might be sleeping on my floor. I might be sleeping on my new house. I might be sleeping at my old house. I might be sleeping in a hotel if my house, whatever. And that's why those things are so quote unquote traumatizing for us because it's taking away our most basic need. Right. And yes. then, and then we can grow from that place. The next need is, is that feeling of belonging and community and friendship. Right. And then it grows from there to be able to ultimately give to others and contribute and, and all those types of things. But, um, I learned this, this concept of what, I don't know even what to call it, but like cueing and giving them ideas for what's coming. And I've even seen this in my own son. He's, I, at least as, as far as I know right now, he's not autistic or he doesn't have any sort of special needs that way, but 
he is a planner and I am too. And I know when he, like the, literally the first question he asks me, what are we doing today? And so I need to know, like, (laughs) what are we doing today? Where are we going to go? Are we just staying home today? Are we going to go do a play date? Are we going to go to the park? Does he have preschool today? Does he not? Is it a day for church? Is it a day? You know what I mean? And just And letting him know those clues. And honestly, sometimes it bites me in the butt. Sometimes we have plans to go to XYZ with XYZ person and it falls through for whatever reason. And then, oh my gosh, meltdown city, right? It's a terrible terrible (laughs) problem. But 90% of the time it, it works out beautifully in our favor to, to communicate the plan. So they know what to expect And then going from one thing to the next, it's a beautiful transition and there's not so much stress and anxiety and, and all those things. So, yeah. And that's one of the side effects of being able to have the frame formula and communicating with, with my oldest Steven, because he used to have the meltdowns and they said, the doctors and everybody said that that's just part of autism and you're just going to have to figure out, you're just going to be in that box. And he doesn't have meltdowns anymore. He's adjusted to be able to flow when we have to have a change. He'll be like, Oh, you know, roll his eyes or whatever. He's like, okay, it's changed. Whatever life is life. But, um, yeah. And the labels that we give people, I would never ever say that someone is autistic and tell them that they fit in a box because, um, And I think this goes just standard for everything. If you're just a mom, that's a label that I used to live under because I'm just a mom, but now I'm super mom and I want everyone to feel like they're super mom. You are so amazing that you have taken on motherhood. Mm -hmm. Holy moly. Mm -hmm. It's amazing. Mm -hmm. But when Steven was like 12 or 13 years old, we had never told him that he was autistic and the word is Asperger's, he's high functioning autism. And so somebody else was talking about it and he came home and he said, mom, what's this mean? And I said, oh, well, that's, that's what you are. That just means your brain thinks differently and that's okay. Uh, oh, okay. That they were talking about me. So the next day he starts shutting down and being weird. Like he fits in the box again. And I talked to him a couple of days later. I thought maybe it was a weird thing, but it was lasting. And so I talked to him and I said, you don't have to be that way just because it has a word. He's like, but that's what I am. And we were, we were at this point that he could communicate and think about it as a rational human, instead of like, they, they wouldn't even expect him to be able to have that, that conversation if he was in the box they were putting him in. And I, I explained to him and helped him realize you were totally fine before you had this label. Just a word does not change who you are. And he snapped out of it and went back to being a normal, pretty close to normal kid again. That's awesome. It's just, that's beautiful. Well, and I love, I love what you said about, I'm just a mom. And I hear so many moms say that too. And I, I got to work with a young man with down syndrome for years and years and years. And oh my gosh, I love him so much. (laughs) He's like the best (laughs) human ever. And that's one of the things that I learned from, from his parents and from working with him so closely. I mean, you heard it just in the way I said it just barely, I worked with a young man with down syndrome, right? 
mm-hmm. and down syndrome comes after. And so many of us sometimes say like, I worked with a down syndrome kid. And the first thing is down syndrome. Okay. Yes, he is. He does have down syndrome, but that is not who he is. That is one little characteristic about his personality. He is a young man and he has down syndrome, right? And, and there's, there's nothing wrong with, with those little side characteristics that we all have, right? We are all quirky and unique in our own ways. We all have weird things about us that we may or may not love. We all have beautiful parts of our personalities that just make us who we are, right? And embracing every single side of that, especially that side of, yeah, I'm a mom and I am a super mom. I love that. So, yeah. And we're at the core of our universe. I think we forget this sometimes, a lot of times as moms, we think that we are, we are, we are out there serving and loving and, and nurturing and helping our kids. And we want to help the kids at school through PTA. And we want to help the kids at church through primary or whatever. We want to teach and help all the kids in the neighborhood and sit out on the porch and give them all popsicles. And we forget us. And it's not, I'm just a mom and I can't do anything but hug my kid. That's all I'm good for. Before I was a mom, I was Lydia and I'm still Lydia. Being a mom is added on to who I am. It's another layer of who I am. It's not, I'm a super mom. I could say I'm just a super mom and it means the same thing. No, I am Lydia and I'm a mom and I'm super, because I had to go through that just a mom moment before I added on the next layer of, yeah, I'm a super mom. And beyond that, I'm, I'm a trainer, I'm a coach, and I'm, I love to Zumba, and I love French fries. I'm trying to get over my French fry addiction. <laughs> There's all these parts layered on to who I am. But from the very, very beginning, as a child of God, born as a baby, I have a name. And I have a spirit. I am Lydia. And I think that's one of the core pieces of being a super mom is to recognize and remember that all of our children are individually children of a higher being who created them and sent them to us because we are the ones who can take the best care of his children while they're away from his presence. Every single one of them has something special about them, regardless of what labels we put on them, regardless of what labels we put on ourselves, they are special. Yeah. I love that. That like all the feels, all the chills. One of, (laughs) one of my favorite quotes I've ever heard is just very simple, but God made me and God does not make mistakes. And I love that. And it has resonated so deep and so hard ever since I first heard that. And I think the same thing is true. Not, I think I know the same thing is true of our beautiful kids. And so many times when I find myself in those, I'm just a mom moments and I'm not good for anything else. And who is Bryn? I don't know. You know, and sometimes when I find myself sinking back into those moments, one of the things that pulls me out is just visualizing my own kids in their future. And when they're in those 
when they become parents themselves, when they become mom and dad and, and all those things, do I want that for them? Do I want them to be just a mom? Do I want them to lose themselves and feel those feelings of just loneliness and isolation? And I'm not good for anything besides putting band-aids on knees and giving kisses and getting the 400th snack for the day, right? Like I, I have no other purpose in my life, right? And I don't want that for them either. I want my girls to to grow up knowing that they can change the world if they want. I want my son to, to believe in himself and to grow up with passions and interests and likes and, and the belief in himself that he can do whatever he wants, right? And that starts with me, right? And right. knowing knowing who I am, knowing who Bryn is, who I was before, who I am still now, and, and letting that mom be a superpower that's added on. I love, love, love everything you said. So, yeah, and a lot of times moms will stay in a marriage because they want to stay in it for the kids. They're, they're in the relationship. So the kids aren't disrupted, but they're feeling all that stress already. It's not really helpful. And when the kids leave and they're grown up and they're out on their own, that poor mama has no idea who she is and she doesn't know what she wants or what she can be. And the marriage isn't fulfilling because she's put everything into the kids. And we can't have a lasting relationship if we're not having a lasting loving relationship with ourselves. You just can't pour it into anything else if your cup is empty. And so I find, oh, this is, this is another reason why I'm out here trying to get this message is love who you are. It's added on to who you are. It's not your identity. It's not your only identity. Um, all superheroes have a secret identity and our job is to remember who that is. Remember who it is and take off the mask once in a while remember who we are and um that it, it goes so much deeper than being a good mom and taking care of the kids because our job ultimately is to turn those little kids into self-sustaining contributing to the neighborhood kind of good grown-up people they're not always supposed to be hanging on our apron and when they get there what happens what happens to us and our world around us and our, our marriage or whatever else is going on. It, it has to be sustained from within who we are. Yeah. Oh, I love that. And it brings to mind uh, another quote. I remember quotes really easily and well, but um, a woman who loves herself is easy to love. And mm -hmm. I, I remember putting a post out there on social media about how I, I like to get ready every day for my spouse. And I like to look beautiful for him and be cute when he comes home. And, and a beautiful, wise woman was like, that's beautiful and great. And it sounds like you are an amazing wife, but don't do it for him. Do it for you. How do you feel when you get ready for the day? How do you feel when he comes home and, and you look gorgeous, right? It's nice. Right. It's nice that he sees those things, but do it for you, not for him. Right. And, and I think 
a woman who loves herself is easy to love. Right. And there's no outside validation that can ever, ever, I don't know what the right word is, but nothing can ever fill that void. If we don't love ourselves, no one else can give that to us besides the savior, right? He can heal our brokenness, Mm -hmm. this, but no other outside validation, no man that we are married to or date or whatever. No, no friend that we have no post on social media, no kid that we raise, no, nothing will, will ever fill that void in us. If we don't just first love ourselves. Right. Right. And my husband has been through so much. I just can't even believe how much he's stuck through, you know, um, We've been married 25 years now, and there was a good chunk of that where I was, I was in that depression. And I want to say this for all those mamas who might be where I used to be. There was probably two months after I heard this, you got to love yourself to be loved. I never thought of that before. That was new to me at the time. And there were two months or so where every day I would look in the mirror. I had to pick something that I liked about myself or I thought that I could like about myself. And I chose to say, I have beautiful eyes. And at the time I didn't believe it. I was like, there's nothing good about me. I don't even know. My pinky toes are ugly too. And (laughs) so I picked this, I have beautiful eyes. And I would look at myself in the mirror every day for two months. And I was like, well, okay, you did your assignment. You said it. And one day I said, you have beautiful eyes. <gasps> you do. You're right. You, you have beautiful eyes. <gasps> have you looked at your eyes ever before? Look at that. I have beautiful eyes. Wow. Check me out. Mm-hmm. But it, it took some time. It took a lot of effort. Um, our subconscious has a, a like a body bouncer that keeps the bad stuff out and only lets in what we want in to our, our conscious mind. And so this particular activating system was not going to let me believe that I had beautiful eyes or anything else about me was beautiful or good because I had decided to believe a different truth. And our subconscious doesn't want us to be a liar. We can't be liars. So it keeps all of the other things out until we keep knocking on that door. I have beautiful eyes. I have beautiful eyes. I have beautiful eyes. Oh, someone's knocking at the door. Okay, I'll let you in. Just don't give up on yourselves. Just don't give up. It takes time. Yeah. And that I had a guest on a few weeks ago. um, And that podcast was called grace when you feel like you're not enough or something along those lines. And he, he's a mindset coach. And he talked all about that, that like, we tell a story to ourselves. That's so, so many times. And so often, like even the trivial ones where it's like, I went fishing and I caught a six foot bass when really it was like a three inch, you know, whatever. (laughs) And, and, but we tell that story so often and get positive feedback from telling that story because others are interested in it and whoa and wow. And right. Like for whatever reason, the stories that we're telling ourselves, they're giving us something, whether it's positive or negative, there is a reward there. And sometimes the reward for negative self-talk is, you know what, people feel bad for me. And I get the attention that I I'm seeking because I just, that's really what I want. I want to feel seen. I want to feel heard. I want to feel loved. I want to feel valued. 
So sometimes the stories we say all the time are the woe is me kind of stories, because that gets us seen, that gets us heard, that gets us attention, right? Which is, uh, we just talked about this, right? Like that's the second tier on Maslow's hierarchy of needs. We need that connection. And sometimes when we change the story of, no, I have beautiful eyes. Sometimes the people we've surrounded ourselves with are all of a sudden like, wait, what? No, you're the person who has nothing good to say about yourself. Who are you? What? What? No. Like, and then we feel both in our subconscious mind and our conscious mind, and even sometimes in our circle of friends, some kickback of like, what are you doing? Why are you changing? I'm, I'm comfortable with this. I'm familiar with this. This is what I know. I'm not ready to change. I'm not willing to change. I don't want you to force me to change. And so that's a huge part of the reason why it's so hard to change sometimes is because we're getting kickback both internally in our own brains and also sometimes from the people we know and love. And, and really everybody just wants to feel safe. Everybody just wants to feel heard. Everyone just wants to feel valued. But if we can just really, truly keep going, keep going, keep going. And as, and rising tides lift all ships, right? Yes. If you lift yourself up and you change to be this person who believes I have beautiful eyes, then all of a sudden the person that you're with, whether it's the person in the mirror or the person that you're at lunch with, or the sister that you talk to every day or your own child, all of a sudden, Hey, I have beautiful eyes too right? And then it just becomes this beautiful ripple effect of you're changing and you're changing the people around you. Yes. And compliments. One of the key components to communicating like it's your superpower is to be able to give and receive a compliment. And I think a lot of times we see in our kids, and all of my kids are teenagers or my oldest is 19 now. So it's hard for me to look at the other families around that are like, oh, they're teenagers and they've lost their brain. I hope their spirit comes back to their body sometime soon. And I was like, I feel so blessed because my teenagers have never, ever left their bodies. Um, even none of them have ever left their bodies like they say they do. And I think it goes back to when I am able to accept that I have beautiful eyes, I can carry that honest truth with me and then when I give a compliment it feels like a real compliment if I say I want to suggest something for you to change or improve or did you notice that you left the milk out they don't get all defensive because there's an honesty about what I'm saying and they can feel it being congruent but you're an awesome kid and that builds them up and they take it on instead of mom's just talking again. And so it's really, really important for us to be honest with ourselves and have that truth of, I am a super mom. I I'm awesome. I just am. And not bragging, but as a matter of fact, just, just stating the facts. I'm a super mom. It's hard to hide that I have quadruplets. It's just a matter of fact. Whereas before I would think, oh no, somebody's going to think that I'm better than them because I've got all these kids or, um, it was really, really hard for me. Um, one of my best friends that was helping us was trying to have kids at the same time. And she was not able to, 
for years. And how, how dare I have quadruplets while she can't have any kids. And it was an embarrassment and a pain instead of a blessing to have my kids. And it really just needs to be a matter of fact. We have our kids. You're a mom and you're there on purpose for a purpose. And that's just awesome. And so when we can say it as a matter of fact, I have beautiful eyes and you look great today. Tell our kids, you look great today. Okay, thanks. Mom says I look great today instead of mom's trying to tell me something again. It, it allows other people to accept what we say when we believe positive things about ourselves. Oh, amen. Amen. And I, w- I just want to reiterate to the, the label thing you were saying earlier about the autism label on your son. Right. And I feel like I don't have teenagers myself, obviously my oldest is four, but I've worked with teenagers for years in my church. And I, I was first called to work with the 16, 17 year olds for three years. And then I worked with the 14, 15 year olds for two years. And then I worked with the 12 and 13 year olds for two years. And then I worked with the 14 and 15 year olds again for two years. So it was like eight or nine years of just teenagers, 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 teenagers. And, and I really truly believe that when you, it's exactly like you were saying, when you put the label of a teenager on them, they rise to that level. When you just treat them like a teenager, right? They rise to that level because you don't expect them to be anything greater than just a teenager, right? But when you embrace them as humans who are beautiful and who are learning and who are growing and who are adapting and who are changing and who are confused and who just want love and validation and to be seen and to be heard, right? Like how many times have we said that, right? When you see them, they are still that three-year-old. They are still that four-year-old. They are still that nine-year-old. They're going to be that 30-year-old one day. It's just a phase, right? And when you can just still see them and hear them and love them and validate them, whether they're four or 14 or 24 or 40, right? Like we all have the same needs and not putting that label on them. And honestly, not putting that label, just like you just said on yourself of, okay, now I'm a mom of teenagers. So now I need to hate my child. Now I need to just wait a couple years and just grit my teeth and bear it. Right. Like, no, like just love them. Like they always have, right. And, and maybe I'm like putting my foot in my mouth. Cause I don't have teenagers and maybe people listening to this are like, well, you don't even know, like, you don't know what it's going to be uh-huh. like to have a teenager. Just wait. Right. But I'm, I'm <laughs> that's, that's my personal oh. opinion and what I, and cause I love working with the youth and I just really feel like whether if whatever pedestal you put people on, whether you put them on a downward pedestal or you rise them up they will rise to, to the level and the expectation that you set for them, whether it's your spouse, yourself, or your kids. If you tell them they suck, guess what? They'll suck. If you tell them they're awesome, guess what? They'll be awesome. Exactly right. Because we don't want to be liars. Our subconscious is set up to be honest with ourselves and whatever we say, whatever story we're telling, our subconscious is going to find evidence to support that. 
And it's funny because when the kids were like three or four years old, five years old, they're all like three, four, five years old and they're running all over and they're all crazy. And I'm like, Oh, I can't keep track. And oh, they're so fast. And some, some people would say, Oh, just wait till they're teenagers. Like, is that supposed to mean something? Is that supposed to make it easier for me? Like, Oh, at least they're little and they're not as bad as they're going to be. And, um, People would ask now, has it gotten easier? And they, they ask at every stage, has it gotten easier? No, it's just different. Mm-hmm. I don't have to change their diapers anymore. I don't have to hold the bottle for them anymore. But then they start running and I have to catch them. And then they get beyond that stage and they're walking and they'll stay close. When I say don't run in the street, I know they won't run in the street but they're doing other things that are hard. And it's just the next level. Everything that we go through prepares us for what's next. And if we're regretting the future or we're resenting the past, we're never gonna be able to enjoy the present. And that's why I miss so much. I feel like I've missed a lot of time with my kids when they're growing up and they, they grow up so fast. They say they grow up fast, they really do. They really, really do. Um, and we just go along in, in the day and, okay, this is what we're doing. And then like the other day, it just hit me. My second son, he's, he's 18 and he just started his mission and he's going to be leaving the home to go do his mission for our church. And in like three or four weeks, I'm like, he's, he's going to be gone. He's just, he's going to be gone. And did I teach him how to do his laundry right? Did I teach him how to feed himself? Did I teach him any number of things? Maybe not. The other day he came down, he said, mom, I need a lesson on how to iron. Oh, we just wear t-shirts most of the time. You're going to be on a mission. You need to know how to iron a shirt. Okay, let's do that. There are things that we miss, but the most important things, did I teach him how to love who he is? Did I teach him how to have a conversation with a person? Did I teach him how to find a real answer and know how to recognize truth? Did I teach him how to love the savior? The other day I was having a a rough day and he came downstairs and he says, so mom, how's it going? I was kind of like, fine, I'm fine. He's like, oh. Well, and it was revolving around me not having enough sleep. We all need a nap and a snack. We just do. And I hadn't had (laughs) enough sleep that day. And so I kind of snapped at him and I raised my voice and he says, gee, mom, I'm sorry. You're having such a rough day. I'm like, he's counseling me. Sorry. I'm having a rough day. Where has he heard that before? Oh, from mom. Check that off the to-do list. He's okay with adversity and people around him being crunchy. He can handle it. Mm -hmm. Then he says, mom, have you been studying the scriptures? Maybe you need to increase your personal scripture study. Well, since you're preparing for admission, you're doing that like 24 hours a day, except for this one minute that you're counseling me to do it. Yes, of course, that's true. We could always use more connection with God and Heavenly Father can bless us so much more when we're actually doing 
the outreach, trying to get closer to him. And am I big enough to say yes to my kid? Thank you for helping me get through this rough day. And I think, you know, gratitude, a lot of parents would be like, oh, my kid's trying to tell me what to do. I'm the mom, but I'm not the mom in that moment. We are equally children of God. I'm here to help him and he's here to help me. Mm-hmm. I love That's that. just what it is. I love that. Oh, uh, so much. Yes. To that too. And I I've shared this previously, but there's been moments where I've told, I mean, my son's only four right now, but, um, being my oldest, I rely on him for a lot of things. Right. And I've told him like, dude, I want to be a nice mom. So will you help me? If, if sometimes I'm feeling a little grumpy, will you remind me to be a nice mom? And in the moment he does, if I'm feeling a little short or a little like me, he mom, remember you want to be a nice mom, you know? And I'm like, gotcha. (laughs) Like you're right. I'm not. And, but I really love it because it helps me to see how he's viewing me and in my head. Okay. I'm just, I'm just trying to get through the moment, right? I'm trying to teach. I'm trying to learn. I'm trying to grow together, whatever, but the way I'm showing up right now in this moment is that I'm just being mean. Okay. So take a deep breath, take a step back. (sighs) Okay. How can I still have this teaching moment, but show up as a mom who loves, right? And one of my favorite, favorite, favorite quotes ever that comes to my mind basically daily is no problem to be solved is ever more important than a person to be loved. Oh, yes. I love that quote too. I love it. And it's so hard to remember in the moment, especially like my daughter, she falls all the time or she like just makes a stupid choice and you're like, girlfriend, don't do that. Right. And sometimes it's so easy to just like, don't do that. Don't be an idiot. Right. But instead (laughs) what I really need, my first reaction really should be, are you okay? Come here. I love you. I'm so sorry you fell. Right. But sometimes my like knee jerk reaction is like, I don't even feel bad for you because that was stupid. Right. Right. No problem to be solved is ever more important than that person who just needs to be loved. Right. Yes. That reminds me of my daughter too. She's so clumsy and she's the one with glasses and she's the one who's left-handed and she's the girl because the other kids are all boys. I've got five boys and just one girl and she's got dyslexia and all this stuff. She's just the one out. And at first I saw her like cringing when she did something silly or stupid. And, and I started telling her, Oh, you're so much like your mom. Let's go be dumb together. And it really has, Oh, we're just both dumb teenagers together now, even though I'm not a teenager, but it's, you're just so much like your mom. Where do you think you got all that stupidness from? (laughs) Let's go be dumb together. (laughs) I love it. And making it just a bonding experience. I love it. 
Oh, and yes, one more thing too. I, I forgot to say earlier about what you said about I'm I'm not the mom in that moment. Like we're just he's here to teach me and I'm here to teach him. And I I really truly believe that too. That I don't know how many of my listeners on here are are the same religion as me, but I truly believe that we were with God before this life. This life is a test to, to prove to God how much we love him and if we are willing to serve him and glorify him. And ultimately, if we want, if we feel comfortable enough to live with him forever, right? Because we know him, we love him, we want to serve him, we want to be like him, right? And I truly believe that my four-year-old is just as old as me. My, my body is older. I've been on earth longer but our spirits are the same age. And in a lot of ways, he's way more wise than I am. Right. Like, and I'm like, Whoa, dude, like, where did you learn that? You, you are teaching me stuff. Right. And I always try to highlight those moments and, and praise him for those moments. But, but really truly, like when we can see each other in that lens and it's not like, the Matilda quote, right? It's not like I'm smart. You're dumb. I'm big. You're little. I'm right. You're wrong. And there's nothing you can do about it. Right? Like when we approach people that way, the communication is gone, right? Uh. It's over. It's shut down. It's just, it's gone. But when we can approach each other, that's when 80 year olds can be best friends with a 14 year old. And a four-year-old can be best friends with a 40-year-old and a two-year-old and a 20-year-old and whatever. It Age doesn't matter in those moments because you're just two spirits who are here to grow together. Right? Yes. And there doesn't need to be a generation gap. No. There doesn't need to be. That's one of those labels that we've decided to believe in. It doesn't have to be there. Mm-hmm. Amen. Ugh. This was awesome. Okay. Well, before we wrap it up, my friend, is there anything else you want to leave us with? You're just beautiful. Thank you. And especially my eyes. Oh, yes. Your <laughs> eyes are especially gorgeous. <laughs> oh, thank you. Well, um, I want to encourage all the mamas out there to just take a moment and tune in to yourself so you can be a better listener for what your kids need and open up that communication. And a lot of times moms, we get overwhelmed. We get just go, 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 go. And we want a break because our minds don't ever stop worrying or wondering what to do next. And a lot of times that transfers into not communicating with our kids. And so if it's okay with you, I'd like to give a gift of 100 conversation starters, the dinner dinner table conversation starters. You can get it at supermomcoach.com and you'll get on my email list if you want to continue getting other tips and things from me. But it's just a landing page. There's nothing else there except sign up to get your communication uh, conversation starters at supermomcoach.com. And you just take those little... Um, you're like, I have a minute here. I know I should be talking to my kid. I just don't know what to say because I'm over here on, I got a budget. I got to do laundry. I got to invest for dinner and da, 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 da. But they're on a different level because they're just not old. 
planet wise they haven't been on the planet as long and what do we talk to them about how do we start that conversation other than how's your day fine how's yours fine so that's i have these little conversation starters available i love that that's a beautiful idea and one thing that my friend taught me and encouraged me is at the dinner table we we talk about one thing that made us happy today and one thing that made us sad today and it's just been so simple and so small, but it's, it's opened up beautiful conversations about even dad feels sad, right? Even the two-year-old feels sad. Even mom feels sad, right? And, and not just to, not only to highlight the good, the good, the good, which is great, right? It's, it's great to feel gratitude. It's great to highlight the good things that, ha- that happened. And it's also really beautiful to have that open place every single night. And granted, we're not perfect. We don't do it every night, but we try to, right. Mm-hmm. But to have that safe place of like, no, if I have something sad that happens today, I know my mom and dad are going to ask me about it tonight at dinner. And I'm going to have somewhere that I can, I can talk about that. Cause that made me sad today. And more often than not, it's one of my kids saying, I'm sad when you were grumpy with me because of excess. <laughs> okay thanks for thanks for bringing me back to humble pie land (laughs) or i'm sad that you made me eat a dinner instead of ice cream yeah i'm sad you made me eat that broccoli (laughs) (laughs) totally that so sometimes it's not very deep but i love i love just opening that up so anyways lydia you're amazing and this was amazing and for all our listeners out there, thank you. Thank you for tuning in. And I hope this was as good for you as it was for me. So, okay. Thank you so much. Yeah, of course. I'll see all you next week. All right, you guys, that's it. Thank you for sticking around. If this message spoke to you today, please feel free to share it with someone you love. It would mean the world to me if you would leave this podcast a quick review from wherever you're listening from so that other mamas can find it too. Be sure to find me on Instagram so that we can be friends in real life. You can find me at Bryn Wise. Thank you for making the choice to become a mom. Thank you for loving your kids. Remember that you are doing better than you think you are. Remember to lean on your village. Remember, the biggest contribution you make in this world might not be something you do, but someone you raise. And always remember to give yourself grace. This was written, this was written, this was written.